Another edition of the Seminole Insiders podcast. I'm Mario Masudi, joined by Rob Wilson and Tim Winnefelt. Let's jump right in, fellas. Florida State falls to Florida, 41 to 14. The bull streak is over. Not exactly uh, the ideal situation against the Gators on Saturday, but no, not exactly. Both of you were in attendance, able to watch. What What was the biggest culprit in that game? Oh my lord! Yeah, I can't even. I can't even start there. Well, if the things that jump out to me, uh, one, Florida could run the ball, uh, and, and Florida State really couldn't. You know, I thought going in that was the key for for Florida State. As cliche as it is in every football game, is to run the ball and stop the run. Uh, Florida was able to do both of those things, and they ended up winning by a you know a fairly healthy margin. Yeah, I was surprised uh, at how effective Florida was on offense. So I guess I'm saying surprised how poorly we played on defense um and we didn't play much better on offense our punter was outstanding but uh it was it was it was rough uh the penalties were were awful uh the same things that that have been biting us all season bit us again and that was against the florida team with a good record but not a florida team that's unbeatable by any means uh and that's probably what what hurts the worst that uh well, the streaks ending are what hurt the worst, but but that was a Florida team that that we uh, they weren't that much more talented than we were, uh, but they played better than we did, and and that's that's tough to swallow. The way that Florida State played against Boston College the week before brought the hope that for one, well, the bowl streak could possibly be extended, but two, we all agreed that this wasn't a, a daunting Florida team that the Seminoles didn't have a shot against. So tell me this. When Saturday came around, why wasn't Florida State able to be even competitive in that game? Well, man, I think it was just kind of the same stuff. Like, you know, I think you feel like a bit of a broken record. But, like, you know, the, the biggest problem to me or the, the biggest disappointment from some of the, those losses, and this one uh, is included, is that you felt like they didn't give themselves the best chance to win. And, and Willie Taggart's talked about that a lot. And by that I mean – you know, with the penalties, with the turnovers, with the, the pre-snap stuff, with the decisions on special teams, whatever the case may be. It's like if you're going to lose, particularly to a rival or particularly as you did earlier this year to like Clemson or Notre Dame or some of the, the cream of college football, you want to lose knowing that you gave yourself every opportunity to, to win the game, you know. And I think we didn't see that from Florida State. I mean, the truth is I don't know that we saw this team's best all year long, you know, because you, you just didn't, they didn't give themselves a chance, you know, you think about like the the penalties on the opening kickoff return of the game, you had one, you know, and, and all of a sudden you start off at your five yard line or inside your 10, the offense can't get going because it's backed up in the shadow of its goal line, you, you get a nice punt, but the other team takes over at midfield, if they get a lead, you know, now you're, you're right back there on that slippery slope, and I felt that happened just so many times. Yeah, and, and I, early part of a game for a struggling football team is really important. You know, if you're if you're a really good football team, if if you're you know Alabama right now or Clemson or, or Notre Dame even, you know, first two possessions, I don't know how important they are. I can tell you they were really important to us, and to slip right back into that same deal, take the ball out, get poor field position, get flagged, get buried, can't can't run any plays where we were. I don't care how good our offense was. And then to punt it away and give up field position for most of the first half again, it, it was just too easy to fall back into everything. It just it, yeah. it just started out uh, poorly. And then you know we were I have trouble with the not competitive because it was plays were there to be made uh, both by our offense and our defense. We just didn't make them. And 
I, one of the, my fears going in, that I don't know if I said it on the show or not, but that I was saying was in against NC State and and uh, Boston College, their running their running backs were big guys, but they weren't going to go sixty yards on you. Uh, we didn't tackle uh, uh, Boston College's tailback, who's terrific, Dylan. Uh, with the first guy hardly at all, but we swarmed. So the second and third guys got him down. Well, the problem with Florida's tailbacks is they're like Cam Akers. If the first guy didn't get in, get him down, the next guy doesn't get a shot for seven yards, you know, because yeah. of his speed. So that's what hurt us. Again, the first guy would get to the Florida running back, wouldn't get him down, and then they got a lot of positive yardage after that before before we swarmed. So um, it, it was just tough and, and didn't get any easier as the day went on. Five and seven. The, the bowl streak now over, season's over. Where does Florida State go from here? Recruiting. That's where you go, and I think that's where they went. Uh, you know, Willie Taggart said it after the game on Saturday that they'd be hitting the road uh, on Sunday, basically. And if you follow, I know there's a lot of folks that cover the specifics of recruiting out there, and, and obviously we can't talk specifically. But if you, you look at the, if you follow that news, you know that the staff has been busy. Uh, they've been getting out uh, on the trail and and uh, and talking to guys and you know trying to. You know, build some positive momentum in that respect and and you know the truth be told i don't think it's the worst thing in the world i mean obviously the the bowl streak ending is a disappointment and the all the the historical context of it but more immediately i think the the more uh, opportunity and the more time this staff has to get out on the road and focus on recruiting and, and rebuilding this roster you know i'm okay with that personally yeah, it, it, and this is uh, this is their strength, I think, uh, to go out and, and get some recruiting done. It's it's interesting. I've always uh, people back when, well, even when this streak with Florida was going, and people would say, "Oh, we must be killing Florida and recruiting." You know, we've beaten them five times a year, folks. We 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 won, you know, a lot of games in a row against Florida. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't hurt their recruiting as much as people would think it would hurt it. Uh, that is to say that uh, even back when Coach Bowden was here and, and when Jimbo Fisher beat all the teams in the state, Miami and Florida, you know, it wasn't like every player in the state decided they'd come to Florida State because of that. You've got just as many players who make decisions based on uh, playing time and style of play and all that than you do the team's win-loss record. Now, that's where I think uh, Coach Taggart's strength is, is building these relationships. I do think he's really good at that. I think they've done a good job of setting the groundwork on all that. He, clearly, he knows the importance of it, clearly. And I think after after this season, he knows what kind of guys he's got to get uh, to win at Florida State. At least he knows what didn't work, you know, at Florida State his first year. And uh, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I believe in, I believe he's a really good football coach. I think he is eyes wide open on everything this year. I don't I don't think he's uh, naive to, to uh, the struggles that we had and why we had them. I think he knows what's going on, and I think he'll do what he can to rectify it. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this early signing date is. You know, this, yeah. this is the second year of it, yeah, maybe? Yeah, second year. Second year of the early signing date. So they'll sign December 19th. Some players will sign December 19th. And, of course, this new trend of early enrollment or whatnot. Uh, so you can make more of an – you get more of an idea what your roster is going to look, look like quicker. And you get a second bite at the apple in terms of recruiting. If you miss a guy on that early signing date, maybe you've got a guy that you weren't necessarily – going for that hard for the second signing date that now becomes awfully important. And maybe your roster is more attractive to them yeah. based on where the other guy signed. So, you know, it's it's too early to say, oh, you know, the sky is falling and all that. Uh, the horizon lowered a little, <laughs> little bit, <laughs> but I don't think the sky has fallen yet. So, you know, we, we need our fans to be our fans. You know, we need our fans to be uh, behind us and behind this program and, uh, 
you know, when you look at it, it kind of stunned me. I was writing something today, and I hadn't looked at how many starters we lost. We only lost five starters, really, yeah. from from the roster. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the damage the damage and lost starters is is not that great from previous years. Now, cynics will say, yeah, it was a terrible team, and you lost few starters but you know experience is experience and we do have players out there that show them they can play we got to put all the elements around them and you know coach taggart has uh been famous you brought it up several times tim during this podcast over the season that he has adjusted things dramatically yeah. in stops at both western kentucky and south florida and we don't know what he would have done at oregon but uh he's not a uh uh, um, you know, he doesn't have blinders on, and it's my way, the highway, and and uh, what I'm going to say, you know, what I want to run is what we're going to run. I I think he's doing it as deep an assessment of the program as all of us are as as supporters. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think that's like you said, one of his admirable traits is that he doesn't just keep banging his head against the wall and hoping for a different result. You know, I thought there were a few telling things that he said after the game. In fact, it's one of the things I really appreciate him about him um, is that you know he's willing to kind of speak honestly after a loss or a win for that matter, um, it, rather than kind of tell you you know what you thought you saw you didn't see or, right. or that you don't know what you're talking about you know or and that, that there were just inches we were just inches <laughs> whatever, away whatever the case may be you know and, and so I, I appreciated that aspect of things but one thing he said you kind of alluded to it, Rob was that uh, you know when you get here. You, you kind of get an idea of what you got and, and you know, get a, an idea of who your players are and their personalities and whether or not they fit. And, of course, at the start, everybody wants to be a part of it or whatever. But he's now a year into the job. I think he has a little bit better of a feel of, of what he has on his roster, of who's on board, who isn't on board, who needs a kick in the pants, who, you know, whatever whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, he basically said after the game, and I think there's been some reports that, you know, he's, he's planning to meet individually with everybody uh, in the program. And, and basically the line is drawn, you know, you're out. Yeah. You know, and, and and to the point. Look, I mean, it's a coaching change, and it's still are relatively early. And no, no hard feelings that this ain't where you want to be anymore. But like, you got to have everybody pulling in the same direction. You know, and and I think that this it's probably fair to say or fair to suggest that that was an issue uh, at times this year. And 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 some of that's just you just don't know because mm-hmm. it's so new. Um, and so now I think he does know, and now I think he can get an honest, real, true assessment, and now you can plan accordingly. Because the thing is, look, in-game adjustments and in-season adjustments are one thing, but you can't make broad, sweeping changes to the, your program when you got a game to play on Saturday. You still have to play. You still have to, you know, there's the, you know, all these. You, know, you think back to the, you know, the comment about players who who are quitting or not giving the maximum effort, and uh, you know, everybody wants a pound of flesh, and those guys stapled to the bench or on off. We got to play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to put eleven guys on offense and defense. So you, you know what I mean? Like you can't just do that. Uh, you have to play some guys. Uh, and so now I think you're going to see a little bit more of a, of, of you know, a, or what I hope to see is, is you know, grab their rudder a little bit more and and start making some broader. Uh, broader changes that, that you can implement over the course of time now that you know what you have and what you need to do. And then Terry, also I want to say to your point um, on um, the early signing period and recruiting, I think this is going to be a different time uh, for Florida State as well because if you remember a year ago, I mean, Willie Tiger got here like two weeks before the early signing period. So basically their sales pitch to everybody was, hey, don't sign in the early wait, signing, wait, just wait. wait. Yeah. If you end up not wanting to come here, fine, but just give us that time. Some some players did, but a lot of them didn't. Now I think that the early signing period at least gives you an opportunity to kind of uh, show some positive signs because it's so soon. You don't have to wait three months to get that signing class. If you can, in the next three weeks, I think it's three weeks from pretty soon now, I think the 19th of December, if you can sign some high-profile guys and, and, and you know get some good positive headlines from that, 
That helps, you know, and it's a quick opportunity to do that. Now the message uh, flips, right? If you do have kids who are committed, sign. Go ahead and sign. Come on, man. Don't don't wait till February. Don't don't wait for them. (laughs) No time like the present. Hey, whatever the case may be. We can't, again, specifically talk about individuals uh, in recruiting, but here's what I do want to talk about. The message, it seems right now, to a bunch of those 18-year-olds that are looking for their next college home is, one, there's immediate playing time available uh, at a lot of positions, and two, you could be the class that fixes Florida State football and brings it back to glory. My question to both of you is how powerful are each of those statements to a recruit at this point? I think it depends on the delivery. Who's delivering it and how they're delivering it. That's yeah. what recruiting is all about. I mean, it, it, basically, you, you sell your program and yourself if you're Coach Taggart and, and if you're a position coach. So it's how good a job do they do on that. I mean, it's there. Uh, the the, the uh, strength of the name of Florida State and the reputation is, you know, gets them in the door, as Coach Taggart famously said uh, last year. Uh, and now it's time, you know, where you go in there and you say, look, we got to get back to where it's supposed to be. You can be the guy. You can be the one that ESPN is talking about next October as, you know, Florida State's back in the hunt. How'd they get here? These are the guys that got them there, that kind of thing. Uh, and that'll have appeal, you know. Uh, it, recruiting is crazy. I always tell the story about the, the really high-profile recruit we had years ago before they had five stars and four stars. But this guy would have been a five-plus star, best lineman in Florida, blah, 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 blah. And uh, the, all the recruiting went around, and you know everybody was all excited. And he goes to commit, and he had choices: Michigan, if I remember right, Michigan, Notre Dame, Florida State, and USC. I think were his, were his four places. And and he picks Florida State, and they ask him in the interview afterwards why he picked Florida State. And Florida State, and he said he liked the helmets. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, all that energy you put into recruiting, and it came down to the helmet. So you never know. Well, think back uh, a couple of years ago what Marvin Wilson said, that he yeah. liked the honey fried chicken down yeah. at the fig. I mean, you know, you, you never know with this yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, but but to your point, Ari, yeah, look, any, any coach, I, you know, I've heard of this, this probably a few of them, any coach will balk at the idea that they're going to go promise a kid playing time. You're not right. going to do that. But any astute recruit can look at the results and right. say, you know what, there might be an opportunity yeah, here. Might be able to get in there. Uh, there certainly will be an opportunity to to compete for jobs. I think that is beyond fair to say. And and look, you know, it's a it's a it's a valley for Florida State right now. But uh, but you know, look across the, the landscape of the state. I mean, Florida had a four and six or five and whatever they were last year, right. four and seven year last year. They were four and eight a few years before that. Miami just went a month and a half without winning a game before finally beating Pitt. I mean, you know, you can kind of say to, you know, everybody's sort of you know, there. And, and that's part of the thing to me that feels so important. I mean, I guess Florida, you could argue, is at the sort of the top of the, the spinning wheel right now. But I don't think anybody thinks that they had a dominant year. And there's almost, I think, a, a power vacuum within the, the big three programs in the state of Florida that's waiting to be filled. Uh, you thought Miami might be there, but this year kind of suggests that they wouldn't be. Florida certainly has encouraging signs, but they again we're we're four and seven a year ago. Florida State's kind of in a similar boat right now. To me, it's a race to sort of establish yourself, and it starts right now. And I would interject: it's got to be smart recruiting. I mean, they, we, they really have to evaluate well what what guys are going to fit into their system and work in this program. Because people have pointed out time and time again what. It, uh, 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 Clemson said that uh, Dabo said we lost the recruiting battle of Florida State for ten years. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, they did. You know, so yeah. on pay, or, uh, get off the daggum internet recruiting and go out and find the players that that do what you need them to do and want to play for Florida State and want to play hard. Get back to that 
that guy can play football, uh, sign him, you know, recruiting rankings be damned, uh, which is a tough call because <laughs> we need some positive energy in our program. So we need the recruiting class that brings a lot of attention. But, you know, really, if you're in Coach Taggart's seat, I think that's it. You get, yeah. we got to sign players. you got to evaluate whether they can play football, want to play football, and go get them. Two things. One, he said exactly that. He said it from the from the jump, and he, I've heard him say specifically, "We can't just go sign a guy just because they're quote unquote four stars or five stars." To my thought, though, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. You know what I mean? You don't have to go sign the third string tackle from small town Florida just because you know to make somebody feel good about it. It's just I think it's just a matter of a deeper evaluation. You know, you want to have a baseline of really really talented players, and Lord knows there's enough of them within a. 500, 600 mile radius of Tallahassee, Florida, right? Uh, they're, they're there. But now, beyond that baseline, now you got to do a little bit more diligence and a little more homework to say who is this person? What's his background? What's his skill set specifically, not just his athleticism? Does he fit both what we want to do? Uh, on the field, but also who we are culturally, and is he have the, the right personality type of fit? And, and he's got one on. You know, they recruited Helton. Yeah, Helton yeah. was not it's a perfect, perfect, perfect example. example. Helton was not a guy that was highly recruited. One of the other coaches in Pensacola pointed us towards him, said nobody's recruiting this kid, and he's really good. Yeah, and that kid, by his own merit, worked his way up through the depth chart uh, of past you know more highly heralded players and it was a tremendously ex- mm-hmm. uh, effective player for us so that's what i'm saying i guess sign sign the helton sign the guy that that you Tamari know terry was one for the for oh, previous Tamari class terry, yeah. Yeah. nobody knew about him yeah uh, and, and arguably the best player on the on the team by the end of the year, yeah, most probably, productive, probably your probably, offensive you know. MVP. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, you know, and, and I have confidence in this staff to do that. I mean, the, these guys are not. While it's a new staff, and I guess when, when I say these guys, I'm really talking about Taggart because that's the only one we know the mo- most about. But he he knows the recruiting game. He knows what talent is. He knows what Florida talent is. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of his strengths. He knows. That a guy at such and such a high school that maybe only got three stars is better than a five-star player from Massachusetts that, yeah. that uh, everybody thinks is all world. And let me let me point something. Hope out. we don't have anybody from Massachusetts on the team. <laughs> I don't I was, think so. I was thinking through. I don't think we do. To point something out too, it's hard to judge what Taggart did at Oregon in the recruiting trail because he was only oh, there yeah, yeah. for one year. But at USF, when you think about some of the players that he had turn out into some really good NFL players. Marlon Mack, yeah, Marquez, yeah. Valdez, Scantling, right. who's now at Green Bay, balling out. Th- those t- those are two names that I guarantee you were not ridiculously recruited. But those are the type of players that I think what, what you were really alluding to, Rob, with a Keyshawn Helton, um, with a Tamari on Terry, they come to Florida State and they play for the love of the game. Right. These are not kids that were told you are the best of the best since they were 16 years old. They've always kind of flown under the radar, and there's a there's a drive about some of these kids that if you pull the right the right switch, right, if you pull the right rope, they turn into some special football players, and they have the DNA mentally uh, and in the personality uh, to give you championship quality players. But you're right, Tim. Don't don't turn down any five stars. I mean, if you know, they fit. I think, I think you know, you don't, still You're right. We don't have to go get the the third team backup yeah. lineman anymore. Doesn't have, but, doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. But that's kind of you know to me, um, and I, you know, and look, I, I'm kind of the wrong guy to talk to about this kind of stuff because, like the streaks and all that, you know, to me, yeah, they're important. But uh, and you know, I was talking to uh, to Keith Jones before, who obviously played in the late '70s, early '80s, and he said, you know, a lot of the a lot of the former players, you know, they're taking it hard. They took pride yeah. in it. 
to me, you know what? If if this is what it takes to get back up, you know, let let's roll. Because to me, the, the streak was never about six and six. You know what I mean? Like it was never it was never something to be rallied for. It was something you got in mid October. You said, oh, that's great, and let's roll toward the Orange Bowl or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me. It, yeah. Whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean. I would rather. I would rather. Uh, t- like I said, I would. I would. Ra- I, I get it. I get it. But I would rather the staff get to work recruiting, get to work rebuilding, renovating, whatever they need to do to get this thing back to that level, right. than to spend time preparing for the, you know, whatever. Oh, I understand. When things go poorly, I think natural human inclination and, and tendency is to say, well, at least. We have this. Well, at least we were, and there's no more. At least you know, I see, you're, not, you're not holding on. You're not holding on to anything no, anymore. But I think you can only do that so many times, in yeah. my opinion, with that kind of stuff. You know, Florida State is not a six and six program, uh, and you know, and I, there's I, not I, much I, difference between six and six and five and there's, seven. There's, right, there should be much higher aspiration right. than than that. That's my only point. That's my right. only point. December nineteenth, so, early so save your emails. Yeah, early <laughs> signing period. Uh, Florida State looking to sign a, another really good class, and by all indications, it sounds like Florida State's going to have a second consecutive uh, strong class under Willie Taggart. Now, one program that has recruited well over the last few years, one program that has, uh, so to speak, has a culture right now that a, a, a head coach at Florida, Mike White, for, for hoops, said that they might be the best culture that he's come across in, in a while in the opening game. Leonard Hamilton's bunch is playing with a love and a passion for each other I think that is transcending and I think you saw that in Orlando this weekend they beat UAB and then against LSU Tim Florida State's down nine yep. with three minutes to go and and maybe any other year that game that game ends in a loss but for Florida State well, it's, experiences, a, it's, and it's a loss and you're like well you know what it was a good close game against a ranked yeah. team right you but know, not, you're not, fine this team. not this team this yeah. team has too many experiences comes back Overtime thriller, and against the and we're mad that we uh, lost to the defending national champion. Yeah, yeah. Team. that but, game was tied with three minutes, and ago. we didn't play well. Yeah, you know, we did not play well in that game. Uh, they did play well. Yeah, uh, better than they'd played in the previous two games. So Certainly. yeah, it and, and you know the message boards four years ago wanted to run Coach T- uh, Coach Ham out of town. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, where are we now? Uh, I, you know, the, uh, they're a lot of fun to watch. They are a calm basketball team. That's the mm-hmm. thing that struck me against LSU with three minutes left. They're at the foul line, and I look, and our guys are just calm as they can be. And I yeah. was like, that's that's what when people say how rare. Um, veteran college basketball teams are nowadays because of guys leaving early and whatnot and transferring and, and all that. That's that's what really plays out on the court is that calm, that, that confidence, that uh, non-panic attitude that we had against LSU and really had against Villanova too when shots wouldn't fall yeah. and, and good shots weren't going in and and they were uh, they were having great success. We were still calm and right in it. So yeah, it, it's uh, and we're deep and. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we're taping this before uh, the Purdue game, so we don't know what's going to happen in that Purdue game, which is another a good game. test. Another, another good test, a late night test. Yeah. <laughs> Tallahassee does. The students love the nine fifteen tip. The, the city folk do not care yeah. for the nine fifteen yeah. tip. But yeah, it's it's six and one uh, going in. You know, we're we're right where we want to be, uh, ranking wise and everything else. And and players on the court, Kofor due back what ten days, two weeks. Soon we so, hope. Yeah. Very soon you know they keep showing him a lot on the bench he will the make boots, a difference that'll, that'll be, yeah. the boots yeah. off that's he will make a difference what's uh you know was fascinating to me and you kind of alluded to this uh rob um was i was over there the other day doing some interviews to write a pregame advance and i was talking to fiando kevin gelly and i was asking him just sort of if 
you know, the, the stretch that they're on, playing, you know, multiple ranked teams, defending champions, neutral sides, has said if it felt at all like, you know, tournament time and that sort of thing. And he said that uh, specifically in their uh, their game against LSU, they were down, like, was it seven? With nine. nine. With three minutes left. He said it was just like the Xavier game. So they were down nine with four or five minutes to go, seven with three minutes to go. But they were able to draw from that experience and say, you know what, this is this is nothing we can't come back from. And keep their keep a level head, not press, not throw up a bad shot. Just stay within yourself and make a run, and you come out able to win the game. And and you know it's funny because I think that a lot of times in these these types of stretches of the season, we think of them in terms of like oh this will really pay off in March, right. it'll really help them. But I think that this team's experience last March, what they were able to do, has now paid off for them in the regular season because they get into these types of games against quality opponents and they they know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, they they they've been there before and uh, and I think it's you know it keeps on building on itself. Yeah, I, I was interested they had Polite in the game, you know, yeah. like in the in the LSU game and, and yeah, he played really well and, and Fiondu played a lot in that ball game more than I thought he was gonna play in that game. So um, a lot of confidence in a lot of players and a lot of ways, you know, if you sit on the other bench, there's a lot of ways Florida State can attack you. you yeah. Know, if we play hard and intense, which are two things we've always done under Hamilton, then uh, you add talent on top of that and confidence, and, you know, we're a tough team right now. And, you know, I was actually talking with, with one of my buddies uh, about this this basketball team and the situation with Kofer, him missing essentially most of non-conference play. And we brought up the argument and the, the conversation that if before the season had started, you had you had been told that Phil Kofer would miss, say, essentially the, the non-conference portion, right? But as a result of that, you got Raekwon Gray valuable minutes. You got Devin Vassell, Anthony Polite up to speed. Would you have taken that trade off, assuming that Kofer comes back healthy as well? Because for me, this, team, this team as a whole might honestly be in better shape in January because these young guys got experience. You saw Polite, oh, Vassell, well, yeah. you saw fair. Raekwon Gray. Raekwon Gray's light looked like it turned on uh, in that tournament. Yeah. It's a big guy that, that has some really nimble skills. Well, well, what Kofer, what was different about Kofer than last year when he was terrific, as opposed to the other years when he was good, you know, was the outside shot. So you worry about that a little bit, you know, because you got to... You know, you hope his outside shot's going to be good and crisp to start. And he's got plenty of games to get it there. But when he can hit that outside shot and then with his ability to rebound and, and as tall as he is. Toughness uh, and leadership, yeah. too. Then And, and then it, being the guy, the enforcer sort of on defense when he comes down there, uh, <clears throat> that that part I'm not worried about. He'll be fine. That, that jumper, he just got to get in tune with that jumper and not rush back into it. Don't try and score 19 your first night out, you know. Right. Uh, but, you know, he's a mature guy, wonderfully mature guy. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 very exciting. I hope I hope fans, you know, it, the tendency here in Tallahassee is once the ACC games start playing and, and football season kind of comes to an end, then, then they, they get to the Tucker Center. So I hope they're going to get there for these games because you don't want to miss too many of them. You're not wrong about that. And, Tim, uh, this Florida State basketball team uh, with Phil Kofer coming back, uh, hopefully soon, it has a, a maturity about it that I think it, it transcends who they are. I mean, the, the talent level, they have three top 100 recruits. So th- they're not they're not like a Duke. They're not going to be a Kentucky where it's just one five-star recruit after another. This team, though, for me, and I know you watched a lot of basketball last year too, Reminds me of that Clemson team from a year ago with Dante Grantham before his season-ending injury. You had four or five really old players that they just never were phased by any situation. I yeah. mean, no, 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 no matter who they played, you were going to get a tough battle. And when 
let's be honest, ACC play comes around. You know how many, you know how many close games. Mm-hmm. That, it seems like every game comes down to the last, mm-hmm. what, under four media timeout? Yeah. For this team in that situation, I think this team will never panic in that mode. If you're going to put Florida State away, you you should have already done it before you get to late in the second half. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, I'll, you know, I think more than that, it's just the between that and the culture like you're talking about, which I think, again, is really, really good. It's a really likable group of guys. And, you know, I'm not just saying that. It's no, been, they are, yeah. You know, I've been around other, not even specifically with that program, other teams' programs just from year to year. You know, some are just, you know, you like more than others. Um, and this is a good group, and I think it kind of allows you to sort of be greater than the sum of your parts. And I think that they do play as greater than the sum of their their individual parts. But you know, well, you a, mentioned it. The, the opposing t- uh, coaches yeah. kind of admire the teams after yeah. the game. Yeah. You know, even Villanova after yeah. they beat us, they're like, man, that's a good team we beat. Yeah. Uh, coaches know basketball; they know what they're seeing out there. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah. And what was the what was the quote that uh, Coach Witherspoon said about from, uh, from Canisius? From Canisius, yeah. he said it was like uh, it's like uh, the players. That are there, they're already on a train, and everybody's just hopping on, and it's already at full speed once they once they come in every time. And uh, you know when you when you're going 11 deep, and you, and you can say that about everybody. I just think that you know again, uh, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton's not in here, so he might dispute this. But I think the, if you're a coach, there can be no higher compliment from another coach, and that oh, yeah. team plays really really hard all the time. Yeah. So and one other thing, and we can move on, but uh, but you know I thought it was really interesting is that there were some of those games against LSU and and, and Villanova, especially where you might have expected Leonard Hamilton to shorten his bench and not play some of the, the less experienced, but they really didn't uh, mm-hmm. didn't really go that way. He uh, he kept with his uh, his deep bench playing, you know, Raekwon and and. and Kevin Vassell and some of those guys, um, and uh, you know maybe maybe you give yourself a slightly better chance to win the game. But I think, like you were saying, Arya, uh, come January, February, March, you'll be glad you did it the way you did. I think you're right about that, 100. percent And then just one last final note before we move on to women's basketball, soccer, and volleyball. Raekwon Gray. Anthony Polite and Devin Vassell each had key buckets in key moments during yeah. these games. So these are not just kids getting their feet wet. These are kids that are getting the opportunity and are making Coach Ham look smart for putting them late into those games. So I, this team's exciting. Tonight against Purdue, hopefully when we talk next week, it's another W and we have some some more positive news to talk about. Women's basketball goes to Bimini in the Bahamas, defeats uh, Eastern Kentucky and uh, knocks off number 12 Iowa in the Junkanoo Jam. Uh, I was there with them. Uh, yeah, you look a little more tan. Yeah, do I? I appreciate that. Uh, that team was able to find itself a young basketball team that had a lot of doubts. They get, they lose to LSU a week before in a game where they didn't score in a quarter. Uh, they got beat. They got outscored 22 to nothing in the second quarter in that game for their first loss of the year. They're able to knock off a, a Iowa team that's being projected to win the Big Ten. Yeah. So this is a, an impressive win for them. Tim, uh, you've covered Florida State uh, and then Sue for, for a little while. She is really one of the best coaches in the women's game. No, I, yeah, I think so. I think that that win over Iowa, like you said, was extremely impressive, uh, particularly for a team that you know early season probably needed to find itself a little bit and needed something that it could hang its hat on, you know. And now, I think you can kind of go back, even you know, once you get into the ACC schedule, and say, hey, you know, we can do this. We did this. You know, we beat one of the top teams already. We're capable of that. And I think it's good to have a reference point for for teams, especially young teams uh, that uh, that maybe don't you know aren't used to that sort of thing or haven't had the same level of success. Um, and so now you got one. You know, you have one that you can sort of rally around and move forward on and build upon. Um, and, and to get it this early in the season still, um, I think it's pretty important for them. Definitely. And then we move on to soccer. 
Uh, good luck to the ladies this weekend. They're going to uh, go to another college cup. So I'm going home, to this one, buddy. Oh, home. Are you excited? By yeah, the way? yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my second Stanford on Friday. Hopefully, hopefully it goes better than the first one I went to. Yeah, Georgetown. Uh, we play Stanford, obviously. Uh, Georgetown is playing in the other side of the bracket and uh, against North Carolina, so we could have an all ACC. In fact, at the Favorites win. Well, I guess Stanford's slightly favored over Florida State. That'll be a fun game. Could yeah, it's gonna. You know, the the folks are saying the national championship game is is the Florida State Stanford game, uh, meaning the two better teams are playing. But um, it'll be a thrill. You know, it, it's it, what an opportunity. What a tremendous, fantastic. I don't know how many adjectives you could send Mark Corin's way for what he's accomplished with this program. That that a college cup is. Is uh, is not stunning, you know. No, yeah. <laughs> if a basketball team had done what what they're doing with the Final Four, people would be going crazy. Any basketball team, not just Florida State, uh, but just a fantastic season, a very patient season. I've said it before. What he does with because he has international players that will leave during different times in the season. His lineup is not consistent for that reason. They were playing with a backup goalie, folks, uh, uh, and I don't think we'll get the starting goalie back. Uh, the backup goalie's done fantastically well. So so all eyes on the Seminoles. I think it's on ESPNU That's right, yep, on yep. Friday night. 7.30. So everybody can watch it that can't be in Cary, North Carolina. We'll have a nice crowd. We have a lot of Florida State folks up in the Carolinas, and they always turn out for soccer. And then that national championship game, should we advance, will be on Sunday against either Georgetown or North Carolina. Yep. You know, North Carolina gets there. I, I can assure you there'll be a <laughs> big crowd since it's yeah. right in their backyard. But uh, what a thrill. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be really cool, and I'm 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 looking forward to. It. I was up there a couple of years ago, last time we were up there, and it's kind of like a Woodstock festival yeah. for soccer. You know, there's like every 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 high school soccer team within a you know 500 mile radius comes, and they're all wearing their uniforms, and uh, it's a really good atmosphere. And and I you know I feel really good for for this group of, of Florida State players. You know, nobody but the seniors has been in the College Cup. Uh, you know, for somebody like Dana Castellanos, who is you know the most famous athlete on campus that you know you might not know who uh-huh. she is i mean if you know she, this is her first trip there uh you know i was actually talking to her uh, today uh, doing interviews for for a story and uh, i said i said do you get nervous before soccer matches do you ever get nervous no no <laughs> she's like no. should i get nervous before an exam or something like that but i don't get nervous for uh, for soccer and, and you know the way she plays that certainly uh I, I probably wouldn't either, but it's cool. But it, you know, she's going to get to play on on this type of stage, is about as 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 big as you can off one. And what else could be bigger in college soccer? Right. Uh, it, it you know, it's it, it it it's only appropriate for for her, and not just her, but the you know this group of of really players who haven't been there. They've accomplished an awful lot. Uh, they have not been on this stage yet, and so uh, to finally see them get there is a good thing. There are certain uh, athletes that just have a killer mentality. Uh, Castellanos fits the bill. Uh, it's not a fluke that she was a finalist for FIFA's Women's Player of the Year alongside uh, professionals. Right. Uh, Carly yeah. Lloyd ended up winning it uh, for the United States, but the fact that Dana Castellanos is sitting two seats down from Carly Lloyd is is unbelievable, and it's well, a she, big reason why Florida State's in the College Cup again. This she year. was one of uh, ten nominees for the other uh, goal of the year, and uh, the guy who won is like you know one of the dudes from the Premier League. You know, like she was. <laughs> it wasn't like the amateur division. You know, yeah. she's right up there with everybody. She's, she's legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the college game doesn't have, and I mean, I, you know, I've called most of the, the FSU games this year. So, I, from what I've seen, the college game doesn't have a talent. Uh, equivalent to Dana Castellanos. She is head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, and Florida State's going to beat Stanford, who's a all-around phenomenal team. I think they're, what, uh, a 45-game win streak right mm-hmm. now coming into this game? Is that all? Uh, is that all? Uh, so they're really well-rounded, but, you know, if FSU's going to pull it off like they did against Penn State, Castellanos was the difference, and uh, I hope that she's able to pull that out. We'll see uh, what happens up there in Cary Volleyball. 
getting a shout out here is uh, they're boy, down oh boy, in Orlando. Boy, is it a busy time of year. The all the all Florida region, the yeah. regional, we should call it. It's not busy at every school this time of year. No, you know, there's yeah. not too many schools doing what we're doing right now. Now you're right uh, in terms of uh, uh, volleyball off to their tenth straight NCAA tournament. That's that's not easy to do. That's that's fantastic. They close out the year great. Finish second in the ACC. Got to take on Florida in the opening round. We're playing at UCF, so UCF plays Florida Gulf Coast. We play Florida, and the winner of those two matches uh, plays to, in order to advance. Didn't do us any favors. No. Florida's play, saying the exact same thing. Good grief. You know, yeah, yeah, Florida, yeah. Florida State in the first round. Can't that happen? You know, in round, round 16 time. or something. But uh, uh, the NCAA has a habit uh, of sort of regionalizing the regionals, if that that's sort of corny. That's a word. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're playing in Orlando. We got an opportunity. Uh, we play in the Gators to start it off. And then uh, the winner of that match will take on, on all likelihood, UCF. All right. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, as Rob mentioned, uh, this is rare what Florida State Athletics does. Yep. Not everyone has the the uh, all-around success that we do as an athletics program, and uh, it's a great time to be a Seminole uh, always. True. We are on iTunes. Go ahead and give us five stars. We're on SoundCloud. Please share it with your friends. Let them know about the Seminole Insiders podcast. For Tim Lenefelt, for Rob Wilson, I'm Mario Masuti. Saying talk to you next time.